I just want to say that I'm glad to be back in New Hampshire. I love, I love home. I love Texas. I love my family. I don't love 102, 103, 107. And then you add humidity on top of that. I don't love that at all. So if you ever want to know what hell's going to be like, just go to Texas for a summer. And then multiply that times 10. So if you think Texas is bad in the summer, you definitely don't want to spend time in hell. Um, Ray was talking about the tithe a few moments ago. And the Lord brought to my remembrance Matthew chapter 6. And most people know verse 33. And I'll read it, but it says, Seek, I'm going to read the Amplified, Seek, aim at, strive after, first, of all his kingdom and his righteousness, which is also his way of doing and being right. And then all these things taken together will be given to you. So what are all these things? I was going to read them. I'm going to give you homework. You need to go back into chapter 6 and read it. What are all these things? If you seek after Him and you do the things that He's asking you to do, what are all these things? There are conditions. I mean, there are plenty of ministries out there that, and we know all the... We've heard all the the negative about them, blab it and grab it and all of the different things. I don't subscribe to that because there are conditions to things, to blessings. The Word says the good falls in the just and the unjust. So there are certain things that we need to do. The Word also says we need to walk out our own salvation, Right? That doesn't mean we just get to say something one time and you'll live like hell. It, it, it doesn't work that way. I'm not going to say that a person who accepts Christ isn't saved. I'm not going to say that because only God knows the true nature of their heart. But my word tells me that I need to abide in. I need to continue in. I can't just do it one time and then go my own I need, to, I need to abide in. That doesn't mean that I'm doing something by works to gain salvation. That's not at all what it means. It simply means, and I, I don't know how many of you guys were here for the Memorial Day service that we did, and, and it, this, the scene of Saving Private Ryan, I still see that in my head, even with this, talking about this. If he's done something for you, why would you not want to live for him? And it's, like I said, it's not about doing works. It's about wanting to live for Him. And so I encourage you, read Matthew chapter 6. And part of His way of doing things is giving Him recognition in everything. In everything. Money is talked about. I, I used to know the number of how, how much money was talked about in the Bible. And I remember going to churches and a preacher only preaches about money. Well, the Bible talks about money pretty extensively. And it's not to browbeat you and whip a dying horse. It's to get you to understand it's about a heart condition, like Ray was saying. It's about a heart condition. It says you can't serve two masters, mammon or God. 
it's not possible. You're going to love one and hate the other. So go back and read chapter 6. Begin to see what the Word says. Before tithing was ever instituted, and never talked about in the Bible, Abraham freely gave. A lot of people say, well, there's no tithing in the New Testament. Really? Christ gave everything. So this morning, let's get into the Word here. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to come to worship you in song and in word. And we ask that you speak today. Not what I want, not what I have in my mind, but what you have in your heart, what you want for your people. I empty myself. I set aside all the things that I've thought about on the ride here this morning, and I just ask that you speak clearly, concisely, in Jesus' name. So, I'm going to ask for a show of hands, and it's not to embarrass anyone, but how many of us have failed? <laughs> Can I put my, my feet, I can't even both feet up. So we've all failed. We've all had mistakes that have cost us, right? So if everyone has failed, why does the world say that failure is so bad? The world makes you think that failure is the end, that you can never be or do anything else. Why? Because the world's in competition with itself. If Sean and I were competing for the same position and we're serving mammon and not God, we're going to make sure that whatever failures we have are swept under the rug or put in a closet because we only want the good stuff to be seen so that we can get the position. Failure, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna put this out first, and then we're gonna go through some work. Failure is not a bad thing. Let's go to Proverbs 24:16. Proverbs 24:16. Even if good people fall 7 times, they will get back up. But when trouble strikes the wicked, that's the end of them. So I just ask, why, why does it seem that failure is bad? Why does the world portray it that way? Maybe because the world in general is wicked? They're not, they're not operating according to God's kingdom principles, right? Every one of us fails from time to time. There is no one perfect in this world. 
There's only been one to ever come that's been perfect. Right? Yeshua, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us. Now I want to point out something before I go to the rest of my notes. How did he do that? How did Christ do that? Was, I mean, was it because he was all God? The Word said he was 100% man, that he set aside his deity, his deity power, his power to control everything and to work everything. So how did he do it? Well, whenever temptation came to him, what did he do? He spoke God's Word. He operated according to God's kingdoms and principles. God's kingdom principles. Right? Okay. It also says that he was tempted in all ways like us. Now, I know that the Bible only gives a certain number of temptations. It gives three. But those three, if you delve into them and study them out, they encompass every aspect of our life. So, he was tempted in all ways, but yet he did not sin. He did it as a man, relying fully on God's principles. If he had done it as God, we would still have no hope. None. And we would have the attitude that I had when I was 15, 16, up to 24 years old. I'm a sinner, I'm going to hell, I'm going to have fun doing it. That was my mindset. But once we come to realize that Christ came as a man, laid down his life, he was the high priest and the sacrifice at the same time. And there's a whole teaching on that, on the priesthood and what had to take place in order for that to be accomplished. It amazes me what took place. So he was the high priest and the sacrifice, but he lived as a man according to God's kingdom principles so that we would have an example to overcome. So everyone fails. No one's perfect. Uh, I'm sure if I went around the room and asked some, some of you to share some times when you failed, there would be quite a few. I'm not going to do that. I might use some of my own examples. But how about the times when we've failed and we feel like we've failed God? Been there quite a few times in the last week. <laughs> Let's think about Paul for a second, and this is not in my notes, but think about Paul for a second. I mean, most of us would read what Paul wrote in the Word, and we would think, man, Paul had it going on. But how many times did Paul say he pleaded for God to remove the thorn from his side? What was that thorn? It doesn't say, but it was obviously something that made him stumble and fall and fail with, in his mind with God. But what did Paul do? 
Even if good people fall seven times, they will get back up. He got back up. A lot of times, even when his flesh didn't want to. I can't imagine when he's being stoned that he wants to get back up. I can't imagine when he was shipwrecked and ended up on the Isle of Patmos and then he builds a fire and a viper bites him. Could he have not even be affected at all? Absolutely. But could it have made him sick? Yeah, absolutely. Has anyone here been bit by a snake? That's good. I'm glad you haven't. I haven't either. But I've seen the effects of people that have been bitten by a snake. They're not well, and they, they're like, I'm done. Because <laughs> it wreaks that much havoc in your body. But he got back up. Go to 1 Peter chapter 6. Oh, sorry, chapter 1, verse 6. 1 Peter 1, 6. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through the test of fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So, we've admitted we've all failed. Some, most of the time, it's because of our own doing. Sometimes it's because there is an attack of the enemy. does not want to see you succeed. So there's all kinds of obstacles and things that come in the way and you fail. But if we truly seek him and we get back up, Everything that took place in that failure becomes a strength for us. Yeah. Right? Charles Caleb Colton said that the purest ore is produced from the hottest furnace and the brightest thunderbolt comes from the darkest storm. So in the midst of your storms and you feel like you're failing, you feel like you're being shipwrecked, I'm trying to help you understand that don't wallow. It's a southern word, by the way. Don't wallow in it. You know, you've all heard uh, there's always a silver lining. It may not seem like it when you're going through the midst of the storm, but there is. There's always something that can be learned. So, just as a hammer and high heat are used to forge instruments of iron, God can use trials to develop genuine faith. 
How many times have we prayed? And I heard this, I can't remember if it was here a few weeks back or if it was in Texas when I was there because my days are kind of blurred. But how many times are we praying to God to remove us from a situation when He actually wants us to go through? He doesn't want us to go through whining, moaning, and groaning and complaining. How many times we go to God and say, God, I can't believe this is how big, this is what's going on. IRS has just leaned on my property and I own thousands of dollars in back taxes and they're just whining and moaning and and complaining. They're telling God how big the storm is. What did Christ do in the midst of the storm? He was sleeping in the bow of the boat. The disciples are all crazy fanatic and just going... Oh my God, we're going to die. <laughs> Jesus gets up. The storm's not bigger than me. That's right. So, if the storm's not bigger than Christ, and Christ resides in us, mm-hmm. so is the storm bigger than Christ? No, it's not. In our home, there's times whenever I lose sight, my wife brings me back. There are times when my wife loses sight, and I'm just like, what are you getting so upset about? It'll all work out. I'm going to go back to 24.16 of Proverbs. For the righteous fall seven times and rise again. But the wicked stumble in times of calamity. Your failures may ultimately be as important as your successes. Thomas Edison comes to mind. Now there were some other things going on with Thomas Edison in between him and Nikolai Tesla. I'm not going to get into those things. However... When Thomas Edison was inventing the incandescent light bulb, the story goes that he failed over 10,000 times. And the story goes that someone asked him, what do you think about failing that many times? And Thomas Thomas Edison supposedly answered him and said, I just found 10,000 ways it didn't work. But it works now. Right? So I'm... I'm trying to put some things out there to get you to think differently. The words of God says that we need to be renewed. We need to renew our mind with the word. So in order to renew our mind, we've got to think differently. You can't continue to operate according to the world system and principles. You have to begin to operate according to kingdom principles. Do not be afraid to fall. How many of us have had something set before us and you're kind of like, ah, I don't know if I should try that or if I, what if I fail? Don't be scared. It comes from a buddy of mine, Mark Richardson, who's a pastor in Texas. Don't be scared. Put yourself up by your bootstraps. Take the step and trust that God's going to meet you there. Yes. 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 
failing means you had the courage to try. I remember early on growing up, my, my family, especially my father's side of the family, who I have more relationship than my mother's side, they are very well-meaning, very loving, but there are so many things in their mindset that is so contrary to what the Word says. And they mean well. I understand that. But I remember growing up and all the dreams I had as a kid. You know, I wanted a professional baseball player. I can't remember everything, but there were quite a few different things. And there would always be someone in my family that's, oh, now, you know, don't get your hopes up. Really? Don't get my hopes up. Okay. So that's how I lived. So anytime something new came up that I thought about doing and then someone would kind of kibosh on it, I wouldn't even try. I wouldn't even try. It wasn't until about, I don't know, it was several years later, I began to realize, you know what? Why not try? Why not? Why not be willing to step out and try something that God's directing you to? Some of my most fond memories, even though they weren't successful, is when I decided to try something. In my mid-twenties, after I got out of the military the first time, I tried out for the Colorado Rockies. That was the best practice, the best I ever did. I didn't make it. Because at that time, I was probably about three or four inches shorter. And I'm going up against guys that are 6'2", 6'3", 6'4". They outweigh me by 100 pounds. They can crush the ball when they hit it. I was a place hitter. I was a utility fielder. I played every position on the field. They specialized in one place. I don't care. I tried. And it was the best the best practice, the best tryout I ever had. So I look back on that with fondness. Not as, ah, I failed. I didn't make it. How many home runs did Babe Ruth hit? You might know. No? How many strikeouts did he have? A lot more. Think about this. Baseball is probably the only thing that you can do. And in order to be successful in it, fail 70% of the time. <laughs> because in baseball, a 300 hitter is, is something to be, that the, the, the teams want. They search for a 300 hitter. A 300 hitter, that means out of every 1,000 at bats, they get 300 hits. There's 700 times that they failed. I mean, down just a little bit, man. Got a little bit of a ring. Really? And the world is so hung up on failing. And we as believers are hung up on failing God. So is he God or is he not? My word says he's faithful and just to work out everything. The problem is we as believers are so worried about failing that we don't even get off of our rear ends to try. 
So I want you to just, right now, I'm going to, as I go back to my notes to figure out which way I'm going, I want you to think about something that the Lord has directed you to do, to try to get up and make a difference for His kingdom that you have not done. Everybody got something? I'm not going to ask you to share it. I just want you to think about it. Because I guarantee you we all got something. We've all missed it somewhere. And I'm not saying this to browbeat you. I want you to think about this, and I want you to change your thinking. I want a, a paradigm shift in your, in your mindset. Okay? In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says... But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, there's a key here. There's something that God has directed you to do. You've been afraid to try it because you don't want to fail God. Right? And we've all heard the cliches that says, well, if God brings you to it, he'll bring you through it. That's true. But what we do is we put a preconceived idea in our head of how we think God's going to bring us through it. My word also says that God has a plan for you. A plan to prosper you. Of good and not evil. And so with that, we then combine it with something else and we say, well, if I try this and I fail, then I fail God. What if it's in the trying and the failure that he's trying to show you something? Not every time, but what if? At 38 years old, when the first layoff hit, in my mind is, check out the military. I had already had an, my ACL replaced. I was about as out of shape as I am right now this very moment. And I said, get me behind me, Satan. I'm not doing that. But funny how God has a way. Now, now remember that thing that God has kind of directed you, he wanted you to do. So when he put that in my mind, go check out the military at 38 years old after the first layoff. I'm like, get me behind me and say, not happening. And then I said, I'm going to go get another job. So I got another job. I have skills. Not like Napoleon Dynamite. Some of you didn't catch that reference. <laughs> So I delivered pizzas at Domino's for a while. I finally got hired on with a state farm agent. And I was out producing him and the other guy in the office. And then, bam! Dave, I'm going to let you go. I don't have enough money to pay you. Say what? And there that thought was again. Check out the military. Now I'm a year older. I'm 39. I'm even more out of shape than I was at 38. It was 
probably Mexican food. It's probably Mexican food. We didn't live. We were in Texas at the time. It's probably Mexican food. I like pizza, but not as much as I like Mexican food. So I was afraid if I if I followed that crazy thought of going in the military of what could happen. I was afraid. I didn't want to listen to the direction God was giving me. Fortunately, he gave me another opportunity. That doesn't always happen. So take what Lord brought to your remembrance about something that he's directed you to do that you haven't done. Has there been another opportunity that he gave you to accomplish it? To set forth to even try to accomplish it? Now, I'm going to say something else. Me going back in the military at 39 years old, at probably about the weight I am right now, in the shape that I am now, there is no way on God's green earth that I was going to accomplish that by myself. I was going to have to fully rely solely upon him to get me through that. So if there's something that God's directing you to and you're not stepping forward to do it because you're afraid that you can't do it, you're right. You can't. But Christ in you can't. So, I prayed and fasted and I kept praying that the devil was telling me to go back in the military, but that wasn't the case. So I ended up back in. But God had, even in the midst of, of failed PT tests, because I didn't pass my first few PT tests. <laughs> as much as I wanted to, and I tried, it just didn't happen. But I had to be willing to walk this out. And God did some tremendous things in that. And that's, that's a whole other story. It's a whole other story. But I came out of it on the other side, even with failures in the midst of it. I came out of it, even with the junk that comes home with you after going to war and dealing with those demons. I can still say I came out of it victorious because of what he's done. And I can say that I'm still walking through it victoriously because it's not in my own power. It's not in my own strength. It's because of me relying on him. So power is perfected in weakness. We've all heard that. When we are weak, he is strong. We've heard it so much, it's a cliche, and we don't even believe it. We say it without meaning it. So, if Jeremiah 29.11 says that he has a plan and a purpose for us, it's good, not evil, right? Okay. In Romans 8.28, it says, All things work together for good for those who probably according to who who love him and are called according to his purpose. So either you believe it or you don't. Even to this day, Romans 8.28 is still in the forethought of my mind. 
Because without it, I know that there's no way I can, I can move forward. I have to trust that no matter what comes up, no matter what comes at us, that it's going to be for His glory. Because I do love Him. Even in my weakness, even in my failure, and the failures that I put upon myself and on my family, I still love Him. And that's another thing. Too many believers crucify other believers for the stuff that they're going through instead of encouraging them, lifting them up. When Peter stepped out of the boat and began to sink, he didn't begin to sink because of what Christ did. He began to sink because of what he did. What did Christ do? He was an example. He reached out his hand and didn't give a hand out. He gave a hand up. That carries over into our government. I know we can't get into politics here because this is a 501c3 nonprofit and they forbid that sort of thing. But it's time we as believers gave a hand up, not a hand out. It's time we stood for biblical kingdom principles. Because whether you want to believe it or not, Every other religion that's out there, and even some of the thought processes that go on within our own country and how they think, there are some biblical truths in there. What, is, what does the word say that the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, came to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. How does he do that? He twists and perverts the very word of God. He did it with Eve in the beginning. That's the very first thing he did. Did God really say you wouldn't die? He's still doing it, even in our world today. So he has a plan for you. Now, how many of us, whenever we step out to do something, start getting all anxious? How am I going to do this? And then they got to lay out a 20-point plan on the things that they think they need to do in order to accomplish something. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a plan. There's nothing wrong with having a schedule. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But if you're so stuck on that plan and that schedule, you're putting all your faith in that, and you're not listening to the Spirit of God direct you a different way, now you have a problem. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. George Mueller said that the beginning of anxiety is the end of faith. Faith is basically the opposite of worry. Anxiety is worry. The beginning of true faith is the end of anxiety. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of... So what does that mean? We say it. We... I mean, it's part of our Christian ease. That's right. It means trusting God. Trust God's word is true. 
right? So if God is directing you to do something and you're following his kingdom principles and there's something before you that needs to be accomplished, it doesn't mean you're hoping and praying. It means that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that is what's going to happen. I remember years ago, I was an associate youth pastor. We were put on this huge citywide youth concert. Multiple churches were coming, and that particular day, it was going, it was storming. I mean, it was. And it's supposed to start at a certain time, and we're trying to get everything set up. We're dealing with electronics, soundboards, all kinds of equipment. And it came down to the point where this storm was bearing in on where we were. And everybody's like, oh, we can't do it. We've got to cancel. We've got to cover everything up. We've got to get it all. Da, da, da. I said, no, everybody stop. Our Bible says that Christ looked at the storm and said, peace be still. So that's what I did. Now, in the back of my mind, I'm not going to tell you that I'm like, what if this doesn't work? Because in my humanity, yes, that's going on. Just like I'm sure in Christ's humanity, there are a few things that he was going through. He's like, I don't know if this is going to work out so well. He did say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Right? But I stopped and I spoke to the storm. Not me personally, but Christ in me spoke to the storm. And do you know that that storm was all around where we were. Not one drop on that event. Why? Because it had a purpose that God wanted fulfilled. So, remember that thing that God has directed you to and you have either been afraid or maybe you failed and now you're and he's bringing it back to you? I'm sure it's I'm sure it's clouded in storms. Because anything that's according to God's kingdom kingdom principles, there's always going to be something in it within the world to try and deter it. Because the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, does not want you to accomplish what? He doesn't want you to be a part of anything that God has to bring glory to his name. So begin to speak to your storm. Quit telling God how big your storm is and start telling that storm how big God is. So all things work together for good. Get rid of your anxiety. It's in His hands. It's not whether you fail. It has nothing to do with you. You're just an active component. You're saying, okay, God, I'm lining up with your kingdom principles and what you're wanting to do here. So if it goes bust, then that's on you. But I guarantee you it's not. Even when there might be something crazy to take place, I mean, think, I mean, there's all kinds of different scenarios. Church split. What if that's just a pruning in order for what God wants to have done take place? I don't know. Only you know when you're following his kingdom principles.
So he postponed something in order for something to take place and be, be successful. Right. Even though in the midst of that, it looked like a failure. Imagine that. But we think everything's coincidence nowadays. <laughs> There's an old adage. If it walks like a duck, if it looks like a duck, quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. It's a chicken. Sorry, Ben. You need to learn the you need to go back and learn the difference between a chicken and a duck. <laughs> Now, so Jeremiah 8, verse 4 and 5, the Lord has said, people of Jerusalem, when you stumble and fall, you get back up. And if you take a wrong road, you turn around and go back. So why do you refuse to come back to me? Why do you hold so tightly to your false gods? In 2007, when the Lord said, check out the military in that first layoff, and I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. Guess what? I took the wrong road for 13 months. But I was willing to listen, finally, Get off that road and go back the other direction, which is what? That's a semblance of what? Repentance? What is repentance? That's basically recognizing that you messed up and say, whoa, I've got to go the other way. And you turn, not 360 degrees, oh, I'm still on the same road, everything's good. No, you turn the opposite direction and you go the other direction. Too many of us are turning around, but they're stopping. They're not stopping at 180. They're going all the way to 360, and they think everything's good. God wants us to correct ourselves. He's given us the keys, the principles, the Word... What's the acronym for Bible that someone came up with? Basic instructions before leaving earth? He's given us the instructions to be able to correct ourselves. Not correct ourselves in the mindset that, oh, I'm all powerful, I'm God, see what I can do? No. It's correcting ourselves in the understanding and the knowledge of God's Word and knowing that He's the one that's directing us. So God helps us back. But that does not mean we dwell on the failure or repeat the same behaviors. No, God wants us to acknowledge our shortcomings and work to better ourselves. Sometimes that means moving on to something else that we can do better. How many of us have thought that God wanted us to do something and we did it and it just it, it did misery fail? Now I'm going to throw out the what if. Have you really sought God about that? Is that the direction that he really wants you to go? I've been there. At one time I thought he wanted me to open a paintball field. So I got the certifications. I could work on any marker. I can still I still have that skill set. 
I can still work on paintball markers. I thought he wanted me to open a business. But every time I tried to do something, there was just, it just wasn't happening. Why? Because it's what I wanted and not what he wanted. It's what I wanted, not what he wanted. Now, that doesn't mean that I can't go out and play paintball and have fun. That's not, what it, that's not it. That was just not the direction that he wanted me to go. So if you're not sure, perhaps you need to take some time and fast and pray. That's a kingdom principle. That's how he wants us to correct ourselves. That's one of them. There are thousands Thousands of principles and things that he would like us to do to seek his kingdom. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Sometimes we focus only on that. But if we back up and start in verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, for I know how to be brought low and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But sometimes when we try and do something, we don't always focus on, is it God telling me to do that? And so, like he's saying, we just do it and we have that failure so we need to seek him and say, Lord, is this what you're having me to do? I'm stressing out. This is not working. Da, da, da. And so we have to seek him and and rest in him and trust in his word and then kind of just bring ourselves back around to listening to him correctly. So that might be something like if he's told you to do something and you're not doing it, you're doing something else and it's not working out, then that's really... It's not what he's told you to do, so go back to that first thing that he's told you to do, and it will strengthen you. So what she just something that she said there just prompted something else. Something that you were directed to do that you're not doing, you're doing something else. Now, what if that something else is pretty successful? Can that happen? Yeah, it absolutely can. It's called a diversion. It's to keep you from fully walking in where God wants you to walk. I was laid off in 2007. No, I'm not doing that, God. I'm not going back in the military. I've already been there, done that. I'm going to do this. Was I successful? Yeah. I outproduced the owner of the insurance agency and the other people there. That's pretty successful. But the whole time, what I haven't ever shared is the whole time was there was always that thought in my head about the military going back in. So you might be successful in something you're doing, 
but it may not be the direction that he's really wanting you to go, so he's been pestering you. Pestering you. Hello, what about this? You remember this? Remember I told you this? Remember I asked you to think about this? <laughs> yeah, then you have to give it up. You have to give it up, or if you prayed a prayer like I did many years ago, say, God, I, say, and this is my, I said this because I know how stubborn and obstinate I can be. I said, Lord, if I'm ever missing what you want me to do, then shove me into it. Gee, two layoffs, massive financial issue during those layoffs. So be careful what you pray for. Be careful what you pray for. I mean, if you're stubborn like me and you really want to do God's will and you know that you're kind of, you're stubborn and you miss it, hey, fine, pray that prayer. (laughs) So God wants us to correct ourselves. In Psalms 40, verse 2 and 3, and I'm just about done. Pulled me, I mean, this is partly in verse 2, and pulled me from a lonely pit full of mud and mire. You let me stand on a rock with my firm, with my feet firm, and you gave me a new song, a song of praise to you. Many will see this, and they will honor and trust you, the Lord God. So, God knows that we're going to fail every once in a while. He knows. He's the creator of the universe. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the beginning and the forward and backwards, everything. He set it all in motion. So he already knows. So even in that failure, he also stands by us and helps us get back on our feet. But what does that take? It takes a repentant heart. A repentant heart. Remember we just said what repentance was. Recognizing your failure, your shortcoming, and saying, I messed up. I need to go the other direction. Turning back around on the road that you're on and going the other way. So, is it easy to accept failure? No. Because we're conditioned we are conditioned from a very young age to not fail. From a very young age. Failure can make us feel depressed and, or feel down. But God is still there to help us work through that anger, that depression, that disappointment. We just have to be willing to listen. Now, three more points. Luke nine twenty four through 25. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? Mm-hmm. 
that verse basically speaks to one of the great paradoxes of the kingdom of God. Anybody here? Anybody know about the, the missionary, um, Jim Elliott? He basically gave his life for the sake of the gospel and for the salvation of remote tribal people. There was a movie that was put out about it. It was a book way before then. Into the Spear. Anyone seen that? After he and four other men were speared to death by South American Indians, these famous words were found scribbled in his journal. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Later, that same tribe received Yeshua, Emmanuel, the Messiah as their Savior. And not only did they receive them, but they began to affect the other tribes around them. Because at that period of time, this is in the, I believe it was the 50s, if I remember correctly, or maybe it was late 40s. It was in the 50s, that's what I was thinking. Those tribes were warring against each other. They were killing one another. They were stealing one another's women, their food, their cattle. It was just, it was a bloodbath. But through that, not only was the tribe that Jim Elliot was trying to reach saved, but other tribes as well. And not just the tribes, but the people who began to interact with the tribes. Because they knew how, how deadly those, those tribes were. And they began to see a change in what, what, how the tribes acted and what they did. And they were like, how does this happen? It was because even in loss, there can be gain in the kingdom of God. So, and I'm, I know you guys have heard this, but when I finally did get back on the right road, and I did go back in the military, and now it's time to deploy, and I'm flying across the Atlantic on a clear night, and I'm actually seeing the moon off the Atlantic Ocean, and I realize how small I am in comparison to everything else. Not just into not just in how small I am in the vastness of our planet, Earth, but how small I am in the universe. I had to come to I had to come to determination that God if you if you require my life of me, so be it. It's a very humbling and sobering place to be. And not that I would want anything bad to happen to any one of us, but we should all come to that place. Because when we come to that place, it opens up tremendous opportunity for God to begin to work when we realize that it's not about us and what we think is the meaning of our life. It's all about what Jehovah wants 
to accomplish in this world and for his people. If we come to that recognition that, okay, God, if it requires my life, then I'm going to trust that you're going to work all things together for good for those who call according to his purpose and who love him. It revolves around everything that we go through the word revolves around it, whether we want to see it or not. Philippians 1.6, it says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So, you may have failed, you may have missed the mark, you may be going down a totally wrong road compared to where he wants you to be. And you may be having success there, but you're still getting that Holy Spirit nagging you. He doesn't, he doesn't nag you. He reminds you. There's a difference. But and because you're not afraid, you can complete it. You might be doing all those things. All things may be happening because you're afraid you can't complete it. Remember what I said earlier? If you think you can't do it, you're probably right. It means he's going to have to do it. And if he's going to do it, He's going to finish it. Nothing happens by chance. There are no coincidences. I do not believe in luck. I do not believe in coincidence. I believe something happens for a reason every time. God made the entire universe. He made this earth with once the fall of man and the flood. He made this earth so that whenever... A butterfly flaps its wings in South America. It changes the air pressure, and he knows this. So he is able to complete it. Remember he sees the beginning from the end? So remember the thought. Remember that? That God directed you to something, and you, you either have gone against it and been going down a different road or you simply said I can't do that it's time to stand up it's time to get active faith is an action verb it is an action word in order to have faith you have to do something there is a corresponding action that goes along with faith So there's something that someone here has been directed to do and it might simply be one step because he doesn't reveal the whole plan a lot of times. Why? Because we're not going to do it because we'll be like freaked out about it. <laughs> we're going to be like, oh, there's no way. I can't do that. You're right, you can't. So he's going to give you one step. You might see, uh, remember, I, I'm a big, I love Indiana Jones movies. Not that I worship or anything, but I just I like them because there's there's a lot of things that speak in there, and there's this one scene, and I can't remember which movie particular it was, but it's the Indiana Jones movie where he's at this ravine crevice, and he's got to get to the other side, and he's like, and there's people coming behind him, fixing to capture him, and he's like trying to figure out how he gets over there, and so he steps. Oh, there's a step there. 
and then he gets this bright idea. He had something in his pocket or something, or he grabbed some dirt or something, and he threw it across and laid out several more steps. And he began to take steps. Start taking steps. Get off your buttocks. Start taking steps. Amen. Don't quit. When the, when the English were being relentlessly bombed by the Germans, Churchill told the English people, never give up. Never give up. Don't quit. 2 Timothy 3.14, and this is where I'm closing. 2 Timothy 3.14 But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. When Peter stepped out of the boat, before he even did that, he said, Lord, if that's you, tell me to come and I'll come. First of all, the enemy is never going to tell you to do something that's going to benefit the glory of God. So if you're trying to figure out, is this for the glory of God, or is this not? And it lines up what you're wanting to do, what God's directing you to do, it lines up with what the Word of God says, according to His kingdom principles, then it's probably from God. And if He tells you, come, then get out of the boat. Peter got out of the boat. It wasn't until he took his eyes off the kingdom principles of God, Christ Jesus in front of him, that he began to sink. So if, that, if you believe that's the case, that you're directed to do something, you believe it's kingdom principles directed by God, but you're still not sure, there are plenty of people within this body that you can go talk to. And if it's according to the word, they should be giving you a hand up. Contrary to what some people may believe or what the world wants us to believe, if God is for us, who can be against us? Our pastors are for us. They have a lot of wisdom. I'm sure they have a lot of failures to back up that wisdom. Sound it off. Talk to them. They're not unreachable. They're not untouchable. I'll talk to you. If I don't know, then I'm going to refer you to someone who might know. And just like this, just like our services here, I may be bringing the word. Jeanette had something to add. My wife had something to add. That's that is the body. That's what we're supposed to be doing. good. So, don't quit. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. Francis Drake said, there must be a beginning of any great matter, but the continuing unto the end, until it be thoroughly finished, yields 
true glory. So, a couple of things. I'm basically, I'm done, but there's a couple of things. If there's something that you feel the Lord is directing you to do, you're not quite sure and you would like to sound it off to someone, then I want you to come up. If you do not have an understanding of kingdom principles and operating according to the way Christ Jesus operated and what he actually did for you, I want you to come up. And it's not about embarrassing anyone. But if you've got to take a step, that means you've got